everybody jj cooper carlos Colazo here another baseball america playoff podcast carlos joining me today kyle we're letting sleep in a little bit on the west coast after he covered a, another uh wild game in the nlcs we have the braves sitting here one game away from advancing to the world series and something i don't know if i'd have said i expected i i think i on the podcast that i didn't expect a couple of days ago which is we have the Astros sitting one game away from the World Series. And not just that, but seemingly having turned a switch and all of a sudden a series that was being dominated by Red Sox hitters is now being dominated by Astros hitters. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in either of these series, everything, anything could still could happen. It's not asking a lot to ask any of these teams to win a couple of games in a row. Yeah, Braves. A few. Braves yeah. up three one against the Dodgers. I don't. I don't think the fan base would be comfortable with that lead there by any means. And obviously, like you mentioned in the Houston Boston series, things switch pretty quickly. So you're right. Anything can happen in the playoffs. It is still. I mean, it's it's a short sample of games in baseball time. So really, it, it wouldn't be shocking for anything to happen. But at the same time, you have to feel pretty good as a Houston fan or an Atlanta fan, if you're just one game away from the world series at this point. I I think that if the Braves are up in the deciding game seven of the world series, 16 to two, like the Astros were, (laughs) that's about the point where Braves fans will start, especially really part of this comes to back to like, how old a Braves fan are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Because I mean, there are Braves fans who, if you're a relatively young Braves fan, I think that there's, okay, there's some some minor scarring from previous years and all that. Mm-hmm. But again, as I've said on this podcast before, I grew up in Georgia I, and I, I know a lot of friends who are Braves fans and that Braves fandom goes back to Dale Murphy, Bob Horner and all that. And those fans have a lot of scars. Now, the 90s and the aughts were really good from the standpoint of winning games, winning a whole lot of games. That said, I, I, I need to work this stat up. I feel pretty confident in saying that no team has made more. I, I, I should not say this on the pod without doing the research. I apologize, <laughs> listeners. But I feel confident in saying, though, off top of my head that no team has made more playoff appearances in the 21st century without ever making it to the world series. The Braves making, that seems fairly like a fairly safe speculation they have there. I don't even know what other team would come to mind for me. You got to remember one, two, three, four, five, 10, 12, 13, 18, 19, 20, 21, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. The Braves have only mit- have failed to make the playoffs less than 50%. They've made the playoffs more than 50% of the time mm-hmm. in the 21st century. And they have not made a World Series appearance. And not only have they not made a World Series appearance, the fact that they're here in the NLCS is already puts them as one of the greatest seasons 
of the 21st century for the mm-hmm. Braves. I, I understand why there is much, much trepidation, especially when you throw in every other part of the Georgia slash Atlanta fan experience with the Falcons, with the Hawks, with, you know, I, I will take the MLS out of it. The, the Atlanta MLS team, they're, they're really good. But with the Georgia Bulldogs who have had their, you know, heart stomped many mm-hmm. a time, Carlos, like, is this team, I, I will throw it to you this way. Is this team different? Do you think? Well, I, I don't know. The way I think about success in the World Series, I, I probably think there's a lot more just randomness and luck that goes into it. Like, if you take this Braves team, I mean, right now, maybe you would take them over previous Braves teams, but just compare them to some of the teams that won the National League East in previous years. I think most people would say this is not the strongest Braves team that we've seen overall. But at the end of the day, for for the baseball playoffs, it's it's not always the best team winning. This is not this is not a playoff system like the NBA where pretty consistently the best team is going to win just because of the series, just because of how the sport is played. Um, You really need to have a great team to get into the postseason, And then after that, you just want to get hot. And at this point, the Braves are playing really good defense. Uh, They have key players coming up in the lineup that are really hot. Eddie Rosario has seemingly turned into Babe Ruth. (laughs) Um, their entire outfield, their, their opening day outfield does not exist on the roster at this point. Um, so really have to give credit to Alex Anthopoulos and just the Braves for wheeling and dealing at the trade deadline. And I think even at the time the Braves were scuffling a little bit, people weren't thrilled with the returns that Atlanta got. Um, but Adam Duvall, Eddie Rosario, Jorge Soler, Jock Peterson have been really key pieces for the Braves and in some ways they're really powering the offense right now, um, the members of that outfield. So I don't know that this is the best Braves team we've seen even in the last two or three years, um, but they're hot now. And that's really all that matters in the playoffs. The thing that we talk about regularly, especially around the trade deadline is it cost other than the willingness to take on salary. You can improve your team at the deadline at an incredibly minimal prospect cost. And the Braves this year, to me, you just mentioned it. They literally remade their outfield. They had to, they had to, their, their starting outfield had both from, uh, you had a, you, you had Marcelo Zuna who Mm -hmm. we don't know if, when, if, or when he'll ever play again after, you know, the, the DV and all that. Mm -hmm. We had Ronald Cunha, one of the best players in baseball is injured and out Christian Pache did not look ready and they had to send and, him back down. And it doesn't even look like the team trusts him to be a defensive replacement. Maybe they just don't want to do the defensive replacement thing in, in a series that's been this tight because every run's going to matter. Maybe you just think prioritizing the bats are key, but it really seemed like last year they trusted him more um, to take a key role in the postseason than they have this year. And again, maybe that's just because the outfield replacements they brought in have been so good. Um, but it is interesting, the lack of playing time he's gotten when there have been some opportunities to put a really good defensive center fielder out there. Although we see the center fielders that are playing this postseason, it is not, it is not a collection of gold glovers by any means. But, but we, when we look at it, the players that the Braves gave up, I tweeted about this last night, but Eddie Rosario, the, that trade is the Braves acquire Eddie Rosario and cash, not just Eddie Rosario 
Cleveland said, here, we will pay you some of the salary. And by the way, we'll take on Pablo Sandoval and his minimal salary in return. And then the Cleveland immediately released Pablo Sandoval. So Eddie Rosario could best be described as, here, you take him. Jock Peterson, who has been key, Jocktober, to this postseason you know, run for the Braves, was acquired for Bryce Ball. Yeah, I know that there are Bryce Ball fans out there, and I'm not anti-Bryce Ball. Bryce Ball was a bottom his 20s in the 20s on the Braves yeah. list. He was, he, I would say he was one of the more intriguing lower level bats in the system, but I think that is more because the lower levels of Atlanta system, at least last year, was pretty thin. Um, but he was a lower drafted guy. He was a 24th round draft pick who really surprised uh, a lot of people, maybe outside of the Braves with, with his performance in 2019. Had a really good offensive year. Has really impressive power, but he's a first baseman. And, and the last I had heard, he's he's not really a great first baseman. And this oh, year he's in 2021, yeah, and this year in 2021, he did not have a, a good offensive season by any means as a 22-year-old in high A. So, I mean, the jury's still out on him, but it was not – I mean, Alex Anthopoulos has, has done an excellent job of keeping all the team's best prospects. He has not – he has not dipped into their premium prospects as any of these trades, but, but go on. And okay. So then we have Jorge Soler for Casey Kalish and we have uh, Adam Duvall who basically seems like he's now on the Adam Duvall leaves Atlanta circles back. He'll leave again. He circles back. It just kind of on a kind of like he, he stops by every time, but Adam Duvall for Alex Jackson None of those, none of the players that the Braves gave up are likely to come back to hurt them. And at this point, with what they've done just so far, you would absolutely positively not just do those trades again, even if Bryce Ball turned out or Kalish turned out. I, Alex Jackson, the backup catcher, if it works out well, he used his third option. They used his third option this year. I think he's a guy who you would come into the offseason saying, does he stay on the 40 man the entire offseason is a question. That these are all guys, this these are guys where largely what you would say is is they are acquired for the willingness to take on their salaries. And it does ex- it now all of those guys turning out to being useful players in the playoffs doesn't always happen. And it's it worked out well for the Braves. You cannot remake a starting rotation like this at the deadline. You cannot remake necessarily. You're not going to find a shortstop who steps in for you and plays great defense and hits for average or whatever. Those things, Trey Turner cost a lot more than, uh, nice. than these guys did, but who isn't playing other, shortstop for whatever reason. Right. <laughs> right. That, yeah. We, we, we could go down the digression of like, I, I do think with the Dodgers, you are seeing, Injuries really can hurt. Max Muncy's injury hurt. Justin Turner's now done for the that that's that is two big losses yeah. for them. But man, their defense right now, I it feels like they're playing a whole lot of players. Trey Turner, I know he's not the veteran there that Corey Seager is. Trey Turner's a better shortstop than Corey Seager. Yeah. Gavin Lux is a better infielder than an outfielder. There's a lot of players playing in less than ideal positions for them. And I think too, what what just jumps out about LA, their offense has not looked like the offense we saw in the regular season and injuries can certainly be to blame for that. I think the Braves pitching also deserves some credit. All of their relievers have been pretty effective. Even, 
even Luke Jackson against the, the Cody Bellinger home run the other night, I thought it was a good pitch. I mean, Bellinger yeah. really hasn't done a lot at all with that pitch. So I think if you could do that, if you could do that 10 times over, I think you'd be happy with the pitch. And I, I would be surprised if Bellinger did the same thing more than a couple times. Um, but no, it, it really looks like, I mean, the benefit of not having to go through a grueling series uh, like the Dodgers did with the Giants. I really think that set their pitching back in a lot of different ways. They had to get creative with how they wanted to use some of their pitchers. Julio Arias has really not looked like the pitcher that people kind of come to know with him. Uh, it's the first time he's given up three home runs in the game since 2016 last night after giving up home runs to Duvall, um, to Freddie Freeman, and to Eddie Rosario. So he, I mean, he's pitched a lot in, in very few games. They've asked him to do a whole lot, and he just really hasn't looked as explosive. Um, but I think, I mean, one of the things that I thought going into this postseason was really that the Braves were in a good spot because they play defense at a very high level, and their lineup can do damage from the top to the bottom, and that's continued to be the case. I mean, you could say that for the Dodgers going in as well. Obviously, their lineup is dangerous, but the team just looks tired to me at this point. Um, and I don't know if that's just me kind of reading into something and trying to create a narrative, uh, but they're certainly in a tough spot now after going through a lot of arms last night. I don't know who they're throwing tonight, but Open game. everyone is pretty gassed at this point. So we'll see what happens. I, the, that's the, that's the nightmare scenario here to me for, for LA is they are fielding bullpen game versus Max Freed. Now, if you were up three, one and doing that, you'd be say you'd be thinking, okay, this is the game where we're probably not going to win this one, yeah. but it'll get us to reset. To the yeah. Yeah. We're going to reset when you're down three, one and you're saying, no, 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 we have to win this. You have to win this game, obviously if you're LA, but the follow-up to that is, is to do so. Are you going to leave? You do get that day off. If you win this game, you get a day off to kind of reset the bullpen to some extent. But as you said, you've got a lot of guys who are gassed. If you have to throw everything at the wall today just to win today. And you and have to you, do that. Yeah. And then you still have to win two games in Atlanta. That's asking a lot. And especially asking a lot when, as you said, you've already had to expend so much energy and so much effort just to get to this point. Whereas Atlanta, Atlanta got through their bullpen game. Their bullpen game was yesterday and credit to Drew Smiley. It wasn't awful. It was really, it was more of, they got as much length out of Drew Smiley as yeah. we're seeing teams get out of their regular as most, starting. Game. As most starters are getting exactly. No, you know, I think the real key to this series, JJ, is the fact that the Braves drew the Brewers and they beat them. I think there's a funny stat that I saw that each of the seven times the Brewers have made the playoffs, they've been eliminated by a team that wound up going to the World Series. So if you draw the Brewers in the playoffs, you have to feel pretty good as long as you can top them. It, it seems like it's uh, it's good odds for you moving forward. It 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 uh, and I picked the Brewers to win the World Series, you know, to make it to the World Series. So I'm an <laughs> idiot. Uh, no, I mean it could have could have yeah. easily happened. I love their pitching. Their offense not so good this year. But um, but you, you do look at it, and yeah, you say like, I mean, this is now it, it's the Braves versus the Dodgers. The Dodgers are a better team overall. 
I don't know that the Dodgers are a better team right now, especially without Max Muncy, especially without Justin Turner. But let me also say with that, it's not like those losses are any more significant than we're talking about the Braves right now. They had more time to prepare for them, but they're talking about the Braves who don't have Ronald Acuna and Mike Soroka. So it is not something where you go, oh, those poor Dodgers, the healthy Braves are beating up on the the injured Dodgers. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think this is a case for for every team at this point in the year. There, there are going to be injuries that you're going to have to to deal with. And and every the, the beauty of the baseball playoffs, I think, is it gives opportunities uh, for for everyone to kind of rise to the moment. It, it is not like other sports where you can dictate who gets the ball in their hands on offense. Everyone's going to come up, um, and and whether they meet the occasion is whether or not your team's going to advance. And so far, uh, we've had some really good moments from some players that at the beginning of the season maybe you wouldn't have thought of them as, as key different maker difference makers on, on final four teams. But by the way, that is Carlos's cat in the background who uh, is yeah. also, she likes to join here. the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. As you probably know, if you listen to, you know, to our podcast, but uh, we're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we're going to talk about speaking of teams that have bounced back from injuries. I don't know how much better you could do that than what Houston is doing as they've watched their starting rotation crumble around them and they say no big deal we still have someone who can go out there and shove so we'll be right back after a quick break and we're back so carlos we were just ending our talk about the braves dodgers by how starting pitchers are not giving length they're not getting deep into games but that was not the case last night last night or yesterday afternoon slash last night especially yeah, depending on the early game huh the early game, although it was dark for most of it, but <laughs> it gets dark early in Boston. But um, but yesterday we had an Astros Red Sox game that 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 felt like a throwback. We had two starting pitchers who both worked into out of the fifth, made it out of the fifth inning. Although in hindsight, miracle. I, I, in hindsight, that maybe on the Red Sox size, maybe five innings was what they really should have you know wanted to get. With uh, Chris Sale, Chris Sale stays in there in the sixth. Chris Sale stays in there to face Jordan Alvarez in the sixth. I know it was lefty-lefty, but that goes poorly for Boston, goes great for Houston, and you turn around after that, and what was a pretty tight game for much of the game turns into a a 9-1 blowout. And so we have had now two Astros blowouts back-to-back games. I, I, I'm kind of surprised to say that we go back to Houston, that we are now looking at Houston needing to win one of the next two to advance to yet another World Series for the Astros. Did you have them written off previously after the first few blowouts on Boston side, or what's the deal with that? Because, I mean, like you mentioned, things can change quickly, and, and this, this Astros team is pretty impressive. I just didn't know with their pitching. We had already they lost the yeah. colors. Did, we were, did not know if Luis Garcia would be able to pitch uh, again in this series. I just looked at it and said, okay, not it, it wasn't anything about Framber Valdez, even assuming that Framber Valdez had a good game. What was shocking was to me was them getting that the, the win in game four, um, which really kind of shifted this series. But I, no, I kind of would – yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I think it's, it's just worth talking about how – how solid Framber Valdez was this game. I mean, 
of pitchers who threw at least 50 innings last year, his ground out or his ground ball percentage was second in the league at 70%. And I guess a very simple solution for, I mean, this playoff baseball where I think all of the teams left are, are top five and fly ball rate. Um, and that seems to be just the best way to create offense. Maybe the simplest solution is just to throw a guy out there uh, who induces a lot of ground balls. He gave up a ton of hard contact, uh, but at the end of the day, he's looking at a line of eight innings, three hits, one earned run, one walk, and five strikeouts. I mean, you mentioned him taking the ball uh, for for a, a good amount of time, and we haven't seen that a ton. I think the last four starters that Houston has rolled out there, he threw more innings than all of those guys combined. Um, so when you have a good defense behind them, there were some impressive defensive plays in the infield there, and you also prevent Boston from leaving the infield entirely, I think for the first four innings. Um, that's a pretty good recipe for success. Obviously, ground ball pitchers are not in vogue in, in baseball anymore, but I think, at least for me, it's fun to see kind of how the cyclical nature of baseball strategy, you can poke holes in it, or you can throw someone who's just a little bit different than the pitchers you typically see. Frumber is not a four-seam riding fastball up in the zone guy. Um, hitters are, are learning to deal with that that pitch, I think, more effectively as the years progress. Um, but it is fun just to see a ground ball artist go out there and have a lot of success. Again, if you look at his baseball savant page, a ton of hard contact given up. So I don't know that this is a recipe for success every single time out. Um, but in this game, it worked out extremely well. And like you said, Yoran Alvarez had a few really impressive hits. The first home run against Chris Sale, I, I just think it speaks to his strength and power and his ability to take that outer half pitch and go. I don't know how he hit that ball as far as he did. It was not a bad pitch by any means. Just a really good swing. I, I could turn this into just a Jordan Alvarez appreciation podcast. Uh, loved him for a long time. Like he's, he's the example of if you can hit, you can ignore everything else at the end of the day. Like if you really can mash, if you really can put together good at bats while hitting the ball really hard, the questions about him were where he was going to play. I, you know, he's had some knee issues. Like I, I do think for, for the Astros last year, if you said, what was one of the biggest reasons that Houston didn't go as deep as maybe they have in much other years, I would say that not having Jordan Alvarez last year who effectively didn't get to play really, really hurt them. But this is one of, he's 24, 20, you know, he, this is his age 24 season. And He's one of the best young hitters in baseball. It's not Juan Soto. I don't want to make it sound like that. He's not Ronald Acuna. He's not Vlad Jr. But he puts together consistent hard contact. He draws walks. He can hit lefties. He's a left-hander. That, that was the thing about keeping sale. It probably, the, the Astros don't give you a lot of good decisions if you go to your pen because they have lefties and righties going back. So if you've got the three batter minimum, it's not something where you have that easy choice. That said, Jordan Alvarez hits lefties. So he's not a guy where you say, oh, we got to bring the lefty specialist. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's okay. He puts together good at-bats against lefties as well. Yeah, his, just his career splits right here, as, as you mentioned, that he's got a 950 career ops versus right-handed pitchers and a 945 ops versus left-handed pitchers. And really, if you go across the triple slash categories, it's pretty much in line uh, with both righties and lefties for him. And when you have that with a guy who is, 
I mean, top 9% in barrel percentage, top 3% in exit velocity, top 3% in max exit velocity. I mean, it's a pretty good combination to have. It, it is a very good combination to have. The thing that I will say for Boston as this series goes forward, they need to win two. Houston needs to win one in Houston. But the thing that stands out to me is this. I still do think Boston has the advantage here because, I mean, I would rather be in Houston's case. I'd rather yeah. win one than two. But when it comes to pitching, I don't, I still don't know exactly. The hope for Houston is that Luis Garcia is fine, mm-hmm. is healthy and fine. And if it is, Luis Garcia is really good. He's a very solid starting pitcher. I still don't, I look at the rest of this series and say, okay, um, Eovaldi, you, you, uh, he's kind of, you're, you're hoping if you're Boston, he's rubber armed, but I don't know who Houston, Houston's pitching for the rest of the series still could be in a, a little bit of a dire strait if Luis Garcia goes back out there and it's like, no, 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 the injury, the knee flares back up. They don't have a lot of great options left. Mm-hmm. Jake Odorizzi, Zach Greinke, these more two to three from Christian Javier. They're still going to have to kind of piece this together potentially, which still makes this a, 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 a potentially very tight series with two games left, as many as two games left to play. That said, if Houston hits like Houston's hit the last couple of days, it just doesn't matter all that mm-hmm. much. Yeah, well, I think the interesting thing, too, is Boston is equally capable of getting that hot offensively. I mean, just a few days ago, you remember you and Kyle talking about how outrageous this Red Sox uh, offense looked. And, and again, last night they hit the ball hard consistently. Um, they're not going to have to run into Framber Valdez and his extreme ground ball inducing self. So I do think they have to feel pretty confident moving forward with the arms they're going to be facing, like you mentioned. And it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't shock anyone with how the series has gone if, if the Red Sox offense just got really hot for a few days. And these have not been really close pitching battles that we've seen in the L.A. Atlanta series. Um, so maybe it is just a case of whichever offense shows up is, is going to carry the day. And I mean, both these offenses are near the top in the league in general. And we've seen both of them operating as, I mean, arguably the best offenses in the playoffs in within this series. So maybe it's just as simple as one of these teams has to get hot offensively and whoever does that is going to win. But like you said, when you only have to win one game, it makes it a little bit more comfortable for you. Oh, um, uh, uh, yeah. I'll take the chances with the one to say, I've <laughs> got to win one of two rather than the one that's got to win two of two. Yeah. It's at the end of the day, winning, winning two games in a row is, is pretty normal in baseball. So any, this series is almost, I say this and immediately the, the LA Atlanta series could flip itself on its head, but I feel like this is the more interesting series at this point, at least from a, a competition standpoint, even though, as I say that the NLCS has been more competitive. I, yeah, I've got to disagree. Oh, I'm fast. You, you've gotten me fascinated into seeing like which offense is going to wake, not wake up, but which, which offense is going to come live and win in this series. Um, but I, I mean, part of me really, part of me really is confident Atlanta is going to get to the world series with how they're set up pitching wise with how the Dodgers look, but I'm sure I'll maybe come on here in a few podcasts and eat those words. I've got to say, I, I just got to say, I disagree with you from this standpoint. Yeah. So far in this series, the Braves Dodgers series, almost every inning of every game has been what's going to happen now. Yeah. This game could turn 
in a couple it, of batters. And even last night, it kind of got out of hand in the ninth inning. I think there are four runs added that made it look like a right. blow that it really wasn't throughout. Whereas the flip side of that is, is as I said on the pod, there have been games in this series. There was a Astros Red Sox game where I'm like, I'm safe now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bank up some sleep for the rest of these series. Cause this is kind of October is a, an exhausting month that way. And I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. I can wake up in the morning and be confident that I'm not going to say, Oh, what did I miss? And I did. I woke up in the morning. I hadn't seen the last few innings of the game. And all it was, was, Oh, I missed some more piling on. Okay. That's fine. And yeah. the Braves Dodgers series has not had that. And the Braves Dodgers series also has, I, I feel like the Tyler Matzik is like becoming like an old friend because you see him every game. And yeah. I mean, every single game. Is it, I, I kind of have this dream at this point now that we see Tyler Matzik throw every single game of the postseason, setting a record that could almost not be broken. Is he on pace to do that? He has pitched in every game the Braves have played so far. That's insane. Every I'm trying to single pull up his one. postseason stats right now. Chris Sale, I did this good. stat. Let I did this stat yesterday. Chris Sale has made three starts for Boston, and including the one last night where he got some more length, he has thrown nine innings. Yeah. Tyler Madsick has thrown eight games, eight point one innings. Yeah, he's thrown eight point one innings. Has allowed two earned runs, thirteen strikeouts to four walks. Has allowed a uh, four sixty four opposing ops. So he's been quite good. And again, I think the whole the whole Braves bullpen has been pretty pretty good throughout this entire thing. But that is yeah. impressive. You've now got me. Uh, you've now got me rooting for this as well, JJ. I'm on board. So this is what but, you do best. You get people interested in uh, I, in very specific. I love the esoteric. Baseball. It's great. <laughs> if you want to check out at baseball, speaking of esoteric, I think we just posted at baseballamerica.com the top unpicked guys from the 2020 Rule Five. We had the oh, top man. Rule Five picks. So we have now, playoffs running into Rule Five coverage for you. I really don't know how you're sleeping at all these days. It, it's it's not much, you know. <laughs> it it's fueled by enthusiasm for baseball, but that's kind of a we we said we were going to keep this really tight today, and here we are. It wasn't really tight because we love talking <laughs> about baseball, Carlos. You know. Well, oh, thank you was, for having me on, JJ. It's been fun to uh, jump into you and Kyle's little routine here. Talk well, some playoffs. I, 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 I get it when I said we would keep this pretty tight today that you, it, the future projection pod pretty tight means about yeah, two pretty and a half tight hours. is about an hour and 20 for us over there. So I yeah, don't know about so, this 15 minute nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. If you haven't checked out, if you're, if somehow you're on this podcast, you've not checked out the future projection podcast, please fix that now. Cause I promise you, if you enjoy this, you will enjoy that as well. We recorded uh, so a new, new one, episode just yesterday. I was trying to reach Ben at some point and his phone was off and it was off for quite a while. Cause it's like, <laughs> apologies. No, it's okay. You know, but that's a perfect way to wrap this up for Carlos. I'm JJ. So long everybody. Mm-hmm.